0: Following is a continuation in our series looking at the lies that Satan tells us. We hope you enjoy.
1: let me get started here.
0: You have a Bible. Go ahead and turn to Romans chapter six. We're going to spend most of our time in Romans six tonight. We're going to look a little bit at the end at Romans eight. But let me pray for us, and then we'll jump in here. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your love, so grateful for how you work in us, Lord. And as we look at another one of these lies that Satan tries to convince us of, Lord, that you would help us to see the truth. And you would help us to see a better way to live and a better way to look at our sin. And I just pray that you'd be with these students. Help us all, Lord. I pray this in Christ's name. So tonight we're going to look at this lie that you can never really change. So that in your sin, in your struggle, that you are always going to be exactly the way you are. And that the struggles that you go through, the sins that you struggle with, it's just how it's going to be. And you just need to be content with that. So before I get into talking about that, just kind of an opening illustration here. If I had a car with an engine that was just ready to die, I could have a new engine put it in. And I can take that car to a mechanic, and he'll put it in there for me. And if I got that car back and it ran just as poorly, I'd begin to wonder if the old engine really had been replaced or just cleaned up. It would seem no different if it didn't run like a new engine. With our life of Christ, he gives us a new life, right? He changes us from the old creation into a new creation. And we should expect something different out of that. There's a distinct transformation that happens in us when the Holy Spirit is at work. Satan however, wants us to think that things are stagnant and not much is different at all. He wants you and I to believe that certain struggles and sins will just never change. So what I really want us to wrap our heads around tonight is this. We're new creations in Jesus, and we can be confident in his power to bring about change in our lives. So let's look at Romans chapter 6. We're going to look at this whole idea of freedom. And how we're freed from a life of sin. And then we're freed into a life in Jesus. So we go from being slaves to sins. To being slaves of Christ. So let's turn to Romans chapter 6. And would you mind reading that passage I had you read a little bit earlier? Yes. Romans 6. 15 to 23. Mm-hmm.
2: have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit that you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord.
0: So we know from other parts of scripture that we sin and fall short of the glory of God. We see that Romans 3.23. As we get to this part of Romans, we start to unpack the beauty of what. Jesus does in light of our sin. So what does this passage tell us? It shows us that we're freed from being slaves to our sin. It also shows us that we're then made into being slaves of righteousness. So there's this twofold freedom. And we'll spend a little bit of time talking about this freedom from sin. So we're freed from sin's power. So we're slaves to the one that we obey, according to what Paul says here. So if we're slaves to sin, what is that going to lead towards? Well, he tells us that it leads to death. This is the state that we're in before the Holy Spirit brings about redemption in your heart. And it's important to note that this isn't a guarantee to be completely free of sin, but rather it's a freedom from the power of sin. Earlier in this chapter, Paul tells us in Romans 6, 6-7, we know that our old self was crucified with him. In order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. So that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. The one who has died has been set free from sin. So the encouragement is that if we're in Jesus, if we're in Christ, then sin doesn't have power over you as it did before. And what this means for us is that the Holy Spirit is at war with our flesh. It means that you are actually able to fight Your sin, like we're actually given the ability to say no to our sins when Jesus changes us. Uh, Now, that's by the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to recognize that it's his work, not ours, but he's working in us to make us more like him. So we're given that power and that ability to fight. Now, sin is a very powerful thing. And on this side of eternity, we're always going to have to deal with that. But what this lie is talking about tonight is that Satan wants you to have this defeatist attitude. He wants you to feel like you're always defeated and that you're always just going to be this beaten up, broken creature that can never find any sort of victory in your sin. But you actually do have the ability to to fight. You actually do have that ability to have victory over your sin because of what God is doing in you. We can have victory over certain plaguing sins in our life, but Satan wants us to have this, this is the way it's always going to be kind of mindset. I don't want you to get discouraged if you have sins in your life that seem to just plague you daily, because sometimes we may never have full victory over that. But because we're new creations, because we're freed from the slavery to sin, God is working in us to draw us away from those things. Michael shared an illustration earlier about a tree. Uh, Like Sometimes it just takes a while for trees to really start growing. It may seem like they just kind of go stagnant for a little bit, and they they don't seem like they're growing all that much, and then all of a sudden, boom, you have like these huge trees. That's kind of the way that that God may work in our lives sometimes. Sometimes we may not see some fruit in our lives. Sometimes we may uh, struggle with things for a while, and then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just starts doing mighty, amazing works in our hearts. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we can find freedom. Uh, So we're free from the power of sin, but he frees us towards something else, frees us towards living a a Christ-like life. If you read in Romans chapter 6, verses 16 to 17, going back to our passage, it says this. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, which is what we just talked about, or of obedience that leads towards righteousness. But thanks be to God that you, who were once slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. So when Jesus works in us, he shows us that, Better obedience and draws us to that better obedience. So if being a slave to sin leads to death. And what does being a slave of obedience lead towards? Well, being a slave of obedience means that we have life. It means that we're made to glorify God in all that we do. This is what we were made to do. We were, we were made to be slaves of righteousness. We we're made to glorify God in everything. But sin has put a hold on our ability to do that well, right? But in Christ, we're made a new creation, and we're given that ability to live out this new identity. When he he gives us new life, he gives us new identity. And we're freed from a former identity to a new identity. Let's turn back to verses 6 to 11. Uh, I know we didn't read this, but I want to read it real quick. Know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died to sin, but once and for all, but for the life he lives, he lives to God. So also, you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive, In Christ Jesus. So we can be greatly assured that this old self, or as as Paul writes here, the Greek says, the old man is crucified with Christ. Uh, What that means is that our sin is dealt with on the cross. And because that has died with Jesus, like life begins. Like we, we can now live in Him. When He says that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, what he's referring to here is, he's referring to the body that's, that belongs to the power of sin. A body that's ruled by the power of sin. He brings that to nothing so that we can actually like live and glorify God with, with our hearts, with our minds, with our bodies. This is kind of a personification of our sinful nature here. And he's saying that that's done away with. While we still have, you know, physical bodies that are susceptible to sin and are tempted by sin, Our identity is now in Christ. That's why Paul says here that the life he lives, he lives to God. And this is why he also stresses that we must also consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Turn to Romans chapter 8. And Christopher, would you
1: mind reading verses 1 to 11? I do not mind. I will read it. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your moral bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. If you all ever need
0: a passage that just gives you great assurance, then Romans 8 is, should be your go-to text here. It tells us that there's therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Uh, There's nothing that can get in the way of that. As we continue to see just how Paul unveils like this this beautiful picture of grace and forgiveness that we have in Jesus throughout Romans, we continue to see that it's telling us that if we're unified to Jesus, I often talk about this doctrine of union with Christ. We are, in fact, different because we have that union. There's no more condemnation. And those that no longer have condemnation now are able to, what he tells us here, we're able to set our minds on the things of the spirit as opposed to the things of the flesh. And because of that new union, because of that new identity, he he gives us that ability in that life. And that's something that we should cherish and really hold on to and hold fast to. So not only are we freed from the power of sin, but we're also free to live the way that we were meant to live, which means we should choose the things of the Spirit. We should set our minds on the things of the Spirit. In doing that, the Holy Spirit helps us to turn from our sins. So let me wrap up by just talking about this. The, The Bible mentions three men dying on crosses. So when we get to the crucifixion account, we know that there was two thieves. Hanging next to Jesus. And there's one writer that describes that, you know, they have a great story to tell. And I want to kind of look at, at those two thieves, and then look at Jesus and kind of see this whole theme of dying to sin and how that actually works out. So cross number one, a thief that was dying in sin in Luke twenty three, thirty-nine, and one of the criminals who hang there was hurling abuse at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. So this thief called out to be saved, but he wasn't actually sorry for his sins. He wanted to be saved from punishment for his crimes, but his heart had not changed. So this man died in his sins. He had not been transformed by Christ. He was still a slave to his sin, a slave to unrighteousness. Um, then you get to cross number two, a thief that was dying to his sin. That second thief said, We are receiving what we deserve for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And then Jesus said to him, truly, truly, I say to you that today you shall be with me in paradise. As we see in Luke 23, 41 to 43. Uh, This man, this thief on the cross represents people who see Jesus dying for their sins. They have a change of heart and they're actually willing to die to themselves. Die to their sinful ways. So this man shows us that God can transform. God can take people and change them. And all that is because of cross number three, a savior dying for sin. Jesus went to the cross for one purpose, uh, to die for the sins of the world. Isaiah 53, 6 tells us, And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity for us all. Jesus bore Our sins, he bore his own body on the cross, and that means salvation is only found in him. Uh, He will save his people from their sins. Both thieves called out to be saved, but only one actually was. And what was the difference? The first one had no desire to have a change of heart. Uh, If Jesus had set him free, he simply would have returned to a life of crime. But that second thief really wanted to be forgiven of his sins. He really wanted to see that fruitful change from Christ. For that man, he was almost immediately changed because he died shortly after that. But it's a pretty good assumption that if this man was given pardon, that he probably would have gone on to actually display the kind of fruit of change that Jesus was doing in his heart right here. So what this means for us, with all of our scars, with everything that's wrong with us because of our sin, God still wants us. He still wants to work in us. Satan wants you to think that you have to be content with your sin. But the new life that we have, the new way that he gives us, he shapes and draws us away from those things. And we need no further proof of that than to look at the cross and to see what Jesus did for us. So we're going to spend some time unpacking that in our discussion groups. But before we do that, let me pray and ask that the Lord would work in us as we discuss and grow us closer to him because of it. Heavenly Father, thank you for this evening. Thank you for these students. Just ask that you would work in us that which is pleasing in your sight. And I just pray that you would, even tonight, continue to mold us and shape us, Lord, and to convince our minds and our hearts away from these lies that Satan tries to tell us. Specifically tonight, the lie that we cannot change and that we cannot get away from our sins. You give us the power. You give us the ability by the grace of your spirit. I ask that you would help us to see that, that work in our lives, Lord. And we pray this in Christ's holy and wonderful name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. We hope this has been helpful for you. Please keep an eye out for more audio upcoming from WYN.